feel that for all sort of um, uh, company, be they uh, local or overseas. And that, in fact, is one area that Hong Kong and the world is being assured by the uh, mainland leaders, by our national leaders, saying that, well, uh, China's door for uh, market access will continue to be open and open even wider and further. But these, these regular changes are causing huge losses for not just international investors, but also local investors uh, in Hong Kong and mainland markets. Some companies have lost, big companies have lost 50% or more of their value in a very short period of time. So there are a lot of local investors here, particularly those who have MPF schemes, who invest heavily in Hong Kong and mainland Chinese stocks, who are losing a lot of money. What, what would you say to them? I think if you're talking about share prices, of course, there's a metaphor for the market. Uh, we, uh, there is, there's no way any government could guarantee on, on stock prices. But what I'm talking about is the medium to longer term, that, well, the market certainty, the regulatory regime, uh, or the need to for instance, uh, and tackling competition. I think, well, in any market, uh, I think these are uh, measures that, well, a responsible government would need to do. But of course, I think uh, people would also look at the market response. But for Hong Kong, I think the transparency and also the liquidity of the market is the key uh, for whoever operates in the market. And sometimes you have a good day and sometimes you face challenges. But uh, for all we have discussed uh, in the preceding half hour, hour, half an hour, is that, well, the mainland market is in fact getting more uh, open and Hong Kong could be able to tap on it. Mr Yao, thank you very much for coming on to the programme this morning. That's the Secretary for Commerce and Economic Development, Edward Yao. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. A final look at the markets for this week uh, in Australia. The SX200 is up about half a percent. The Nikkei 225 in Japan has risen a third of a percent. Uh, futures markets indicating a decline of about a quarter of a percent for the Hang Seng this morning. Uh, Brent crude oil is also off about a quarter of a percent, $72.86 a barrel and Gold is trading at $1,810 an ounce. That's it for me this week. Do have a great weekend. Please join me again on Monday morning at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for Back Chat with Hugh Chiverton and Danny Gittings. The weather forecast, mainly fine, apart from isolated showers. Very hot during the day. Maximum temperature of around 33 degrees. The outlook is for sunny intervals and a few showers in the next few days. It's going to be very hot tomorrow. There is a very hot weather warning in force. It's 29 degrees right now. 81% relative humidity. It's coming up to 8.33. Here's Barry O'Rourke with the half-hour news. An HKU professor says China is making amazing progress in its space projects, which include a space station as well as lunar and Mars exploration. At midday today, China's three astronauts on board the Tiangong space station will be answering questions collected from Hong Kong youngsters, as well as giving a virtual tour of the half-built facility. Joe Mikowski is the Deputy Director of the Laboratory for Space Research at the University of Hong Kong. He told RTHK what he would like to ask the astronauts. I guess I would want to know how they see the future of long-term space habitability. You know, for, from the point of view, the psychological aspects, the physical aspects that our bodies weren't built to be, to operate in microgravity and, you know, in higher radiation environments and so on. For people who've actually done it, I wonder how they see the future of long-term habitation in space. More than 40 people are now known to have been killed by severe flooding in the northeastern United States, caused by the remnants of Hurricane Ida. Almost a dozen people drowned after being trapped in their New York basement apartments. 
The governor of New, New Jersey, Phil Murphy, said most of the two dozen dead in his state had been stuck in their vehicles as the water rose. President Biden said now was the time to prepare for future disasters. We're reminded that this isn't about politics. Hurricane Ida didn't care if you were a Democrat or a Republican, rural or urban. This destruction is everywhere. And it's a matter of life and death, and we're all in this together. This is one of the great challenges of our time. But I'm confident we'll meet it. A public inquiry covering England and Wales has found what it termed shocking failings and blatant hypocrisy in the way many religious groups handle allegations of child abuse. The independent inquiry questioned 38 organisations, including Christian, Jewish and Muslim, and said they were morally failing children. It found some have no child protection policies, and some religious leaders actively discouraged the reporting of abuse to protect the reputations of their organisations. Lloyd Evans, a former Jehovah's Witness elder who assisted the inquiry, says strong action is needed. I would like to see a recommendation for a far more probing investigation into Jehovah's Witnesses. No such thing. Uh, no recommendation for abuse data to be seized. And we also need legislation uh, brought in to stop institutions facilitating abuse by covering it up. Alexandra Cote, a member of the notorious Islamic State kidnapping cell dubbed the Beatles, has pleaded guilty in a US court to conspiring to murder four American hostages. Cote is a former British national and one of two kidnapped cell members sent to the US for trial. They were captured in 2018 by Syrian Kurds and turned over to the US military in Iraq. Britain has stripped them of their UK nationality. Their transfer to the US came only after Washington told London it would not seek the death penalty. More news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Backchat. I'm Hugh Chiverton, your co-host today. Danny Gittings. Danny, good morning to you. Good morning. Today we're talking about civil society and consumption vouchers. Following the disbandment of associations such as the Professional Teachers Union, the Civil Human Rights Front, the Hong Kong Alliance, critics are alleging a crackdown by the authorities is killing civil society here. Civil society comprises organisations that are not associated with government, things like schools and universities, advocacy groups, professional associations, unions, NGOs, think tanks and cultural institutions. Academic Chunking Wah said there's an increasing pressure on civil groups. He said they're doing something to scare us, to threaten us, and to indicate to us that we have to be careful. The CE has denied those claims, saying we respect civic society. Hong Kong has large numbers of NGOs and think tanks and research agencies who are shouldering their civic responsibility in trying to improve Hong Kong's situations. But where there are associations, whether they are registered or not registered, that exist in order to undermine Hong Kong's security, let alone to advocate independence or collude with external forces to harm Hong Kong and the country, that is not something we should condone. What do you think? Is the city's civil society under threat? Will Beijing's grip extend towards more NGOs, associations and so on? Let us know your thoughts. You can leave the message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. You can email us, backchat at rthk.hk, or you can call us, and our number is 233-88266, after 9.15. We're talking about consumption vouchers. Many elderly citizens have found their applications uh, failed. Uh, why? What are they doing about it? Uh, let us know your thoughts. As ever, backchat at rthk.hk uh, is our email address. We'll do our best to read out your messages. Joining us for our first discussion, we have with us uh, now uh, Joseph Cheng, former
former professor of politics at City University, uh, Dr. Lim Tai Wei, who's an adjunct senior research fellow at the East Asian Institute at the National University of Singapore, and Dr. Eugene Chan, president of the Association of Hong Kong Professionals and past chairman of the RTHK Board of Advisors. Joseph Chang, let's go to you the first. Um, the chief executive uh, was uh, quite uh, was quite quite clear this week that the Hong Kong government respects civic society. She pointed out that there are large numbers of um, non-government organizations, think tanks, research agencies in, in Hong Kong take, carrying out all kinds of tasks. She said oh, it's only in this um, one area of national security that there have to be restrictions. Uh, your response? Well, let's look at the facts. Um, it is obvious that in terms of public opinion surveys, uh, Hong Kong people certainly have a very, very low rating of the SAR government from the chief executive onwards. And similar surveys have also demonstrated that in the recent one or two years, Hong Kong people's assessment of the kind of freedoms that they enjoy uh, has certainly been uh, much deteriorated. And uh, looking at civil society development, uh, we may look at two major aspects. First, freedom of speech and so on. And uh, in the recent months, we do see a number of respected uh, commentators, critics. Uh, they came out clearly and stated that they felt um, political commentary at this stage is, uh, is useless and perhaps maybe dangerous. These commentators include respected moderates, like, say, former top civil servant Wang Wenping, uh, Chinese University academic Choi Ji Kang, and, and so on. Even uh, Stephen Mines, um, who had associated with the Backchat program, uh, he also left, and he also indicated that he was warned. So why would quite a number of respected commentators felt unable to comment, to make, to offer commentaries. Then we look at the uh, freedom of association. You have already mentioned a number of uh, pro-democracy organizations. They, they had to uh, cease operation. Uh, it is worthwhile to point out that um, the Professional Teachers Union, it was reported by the media, did attempt to contact the government and seek to continue its existence, its operation. Uh, its responsible persons offered to uh, adopt a politically correct line of activities, and it offered to uh, have all the existing present incumbent responsible persons to resign to, uh, and the exco to be replaced by a new group, and it was refused. But you also look at student unions in the uh, tertiary institutions. In the beginning of the year, only two universities had full team of students running as executive committees of the incoming student union. The rest of the tertiary institutions failed to produce a full team trying to run the student union. So why should students felt why should students feel that way? Why should they be so reluctant to engage in student union activities? And, and even one of them, the Chinese Youth Student Union, uh, felt the pressure from the university management. 
Yep, to the chain. Signed the next day after okay. the election. Uh, uh, are you there, Professor Chang? Hello. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, yeah, but is, it, it, but isn't in in many of those cases isn't the question isn't it simply because they have they have gone too far that uh, the, uh, the, the red lines. yeah that the the unions uh, in particular were very closely associated with uh, with violence with anti-China with anti-government uh, activities uh, and uh, other no. civil society uh, organisations uh, as well similarly uh, and they've just got to live with the consequences. Well, let us look at student unions of universities. They are institutions. Executive committee teams come and go. So you may have one executive committee, one uh, student union team uh, who appear to be too radical in the eyes of the authorities, uh, and they would not be welcomed. But then you certainly, uh, as Hong Kong's political leaders, as university management, you should carefully ensure that student unions can go on, can go on and be active, that students will still participate. Talking about the Red Nine, then let's take the example of the recent election of the governing council of the Hong Kong Law Society. Uh, uh, the government, as well as mainland media and so on, warned the candidates, warned the members to stay away from politics. Uh, and to stick closely to the professional activities alone. Obviously, members of the Hong Kong Law Society are a group of concerned citizens, well-educated, they care about Hong Kong, and as concerned citizens, they have a right, they feel they have a right, they have a responsibility to contribute to Hong Kong through offering their comments, uh, through offering their views, their suggestions, and so on. Why should they be warned? Okay, well, let's put the points you raised uh, to uh, Eugene Chan, who's the president of Association of Hong Kong Professionals. Uh, Eugene Chan, good morning. Um, good morning. Do, do you agree with uh, Chung um, Hwa, who we mentioned in the introduction, and indeed uh, Professor Joseph Cheng making similar points just now that um, uh, civil society in Hong Kong is under threat? Um, personally, I, I do not agree. Um, I heard Professor Chang said um, he mentioned a few things, and I want to res respond to, because being a professional, I want to respond to the uh, recent election at the Law Society. I think um, a lot of people have noticed that it's, actually, it's quite unusual that a local professional body um, annual general meeting is being uh, recognized or being mentioned in, a, in the state media called People's Daily. And, and also the chief executive has openly said that the Law Society should be a professional organization. And honestly, being a professional all these years, I think all we, we do represent the profession's interests also to our responsibility to, to the society. And I think let's look at the election results of the Law Society. It was quite an overwhelming margin that the members had made their choices. So I think election did happen and they've selected the new leadership and I certainly looking forward to the Law Society continue to be a professional body in wasn't, Hong Kong wasn't in that, that sense. Wasn't that uh, decision made under threat of disbandment? I mean the Chief Executive said if you vote for the wrong people we'll, we'll, we'll get rid of the Law Society. It didn't, we'll say that, it didn't say get we'll rid of the Law Society. Uh, it it said, amounts to that, or we'll, we will disable, we will remove the statutory functions of the Law Society. It said they will no longer work with the Law Society. I think mm -hmm. that's exactly what she used. Okay, whatever. Um, I think, I think it's a... Okay, is a, is a, is a is, all right. 
um, let, let, let's, let, 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 um, you can tell respond first. Yes, please. I think that's definitely is a fact. That's, that's what chief executive said. And whether you take it as a, a friendly advice, a warning, or well, threat, is up to whoever. But plainly, it wasn't friendly it. advice. Plainly, it was a warning, wasn't it? At, at the very least. <laughs> It's, it's up threat, to whoever will take. I think everybody will take different views. Everyone has different views. I'm just saying that it is it is a statement that is not usual. I mean, other organisation never had that before. So you put it on other perspective. I think the chief executive is is concerned, and obviously she she would put it on her agenda that the law society should be advised in, in open. And if you look at the results, the members did make the choice. That, I mean, that's all we can say. This is factual things. Some would say they had made a choice with a gun pointed at their head. Um, Metaphorically. Uh, you can say that, but I, I would say you can, add, you can also say they have made the choice with, with knowing what could be the possible consequences. Well, how about the uh, broader point that uh, Chung Kim has raised and uh, Joseph Cheng has raised about all these organisations being shut down, the professional teachers union, even they offer to completely reform themselves and still that's rejected by the government and they end up having to dissolve? Um, if, if, I mean, if you, we all read the news and the professional teachers union, as Professor Cheng has said, um, I mean, if they had contacted the government, if the government didn't respond to them, so I think the Secretary of, of Security, Mr. Chris Tang, has also said publicly that um, should there be any uh, uh, work that has not been done properly, maybe or uh, amounting to any criticisms, one cannot evade the reasonability by a simple apology or disbandment or a reform. I think that's what we've heard. So I think Hong Kong has come to a stage that things must be put right and with the reform, and I can see why that is happening. Uh, uh, some people say, I mean, this, this concerns, I guess, open debate of, of, of government policy. Do you think free and open debate of government policy is, is thriving in Hong Kong, is healthy? Um, let's look at facts. Um, look at the recent um, proposed ban of e-cigarettes and HTP heated tobacco products. Look at the recent issue on the uh, shortages of medical doctors in Hong Kong. I mean, there has been a lot of discussions on these policies, on, on, on pro and against. And personally, I see no real differences compared to the past. I think in a good civil society, the, the overall interest must be respected. And I feel that there has been a lot of discussions. That's my personal view. OK, well, let's bring in the third of our yes, guests. I, I... Uh, OK, Joseph Cheng, you respond very quickly. I fully agree that in a, in a civil society, in a good, stable society, people should feel free to express their, their opinions. And as a result, we do see people have made their choices, as our former speaker has said. So uh, students refuse to, to, stand, to come out and stand for student union elections. The pro-democracy camp refuses to send delegates to, to take part in the elections. And you just look at the, uh, the, the elections to the uh, uh, election committee, which will soon elect the executive, the chief executive. And you look at the participation rate, you look at the spectrum of candidates, and it's obvious. A lot of people simply feel either they are afraid to stand or they do not think it's worthwhile to stand. And a lot of people okay. also feel that it's not worthwhile taking, uh, uh, taking the trouble to go and vote. 
Okay, uh, let's bring in the front of our guest, uh, uh, Lim, Lim Tai-Wai, who's an adjunct senior research fellow at East Asian Institute at National University of Singapore. He's also written on uh, gauging the fate of uh, Hong Kong civil society and suggesting that uh, one model might be an incorporation of non-government organizations into um, party organs or something similar to the Chinese Communist Party goals in um, Hong Kong. Um, Professor Lim, do you think that that's the, that's the way the, the path we're heading down in Hong Kong? Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you for inviting me to the uh, conversation. Uh, well, um, actually, the uh, picture is uh, very complex. Uh, Hong Kong has a very uh, long history uh, of uh, civil society and uh, activism. It has a long, free, and uh, democratic uh, history. Uh, at the same time, Hong Kong is also a very adaptive uh, society that has changed and uh, adapted to uh, what, uh, uh, whatever uh, environmental uh, changes there has been, uh, geopolitically, uh, as well as uh, in terms of uh, domestic uh, politics. And it appears at this moment uh, that the uh, central government uh, is, uh, has, uh, is, is quite keen on uh, putting uh, together a social stability. And it also appears that the Hong Kong government at the moment uh, do not uh, have uh, any dissonance uh, with this view. Uh, therefore, uh, it seems like uh, Hong Kong is in the transition uh, of uh, adjusting to uh, political realities and also uh, political imperatives. Now, uh, this is nothing unusual uh, within the East Asian region. Uh, within the East Asian region, there is a spectrum of political systems from uh, liberal democracies like uh, South Korea, Japan, uh, to uh, uh, semi-hybrid uh, uh, system which has features of both authoritarian system as well as liberal democracy and also authoritarian system. So there are many uh, models uh, before that. Uh, for the liberal democracies, uh, they, they, they do have a very active civil society uh, within East Asia, but one commonality amongst East Asian governments is that uh, their, their states do play a strong role uh, in their society, in their civil society, as well as uh, in uh, managing uh, social uh, activism. Uh, and in liberal democracies found within East Asia, uh, they have found a way to uh, look at the harmonious uh, coexistence uh, between civil society and the government, uh, trying to channel the energies uh, for positive uh, uh, contributions to uh, society. So there's close uh, work between them. But there's also a level of professionalism uh, in which uh, the government uh, would uh, be able to help uh, the civil society as long as there's transparency and accountability. On the other hand, there's, there are also uh, hybrid uh, societies that incorporate both uh, uh, features uh, of uh, working in harmony, but at the same time having some freedom, but subjecting them to goalposts that are laid out. So uh, for the uh, Hong Kong uh, society, uh, the Hong Kongers themselves will probably have to de decide for themselves uh, what kind of transition they want to see uh, in the uh, coming future. Those uh, who are passionate about Hong Kong, uh, they may stay on, they may adapt uh, to uh, Hong, Kong, uh, Hong Kong's new uh, political uh, system or reality. Those who, are, uh, uh, who have a traditional view uh, of what uh, free so uh, civil society is about, they may uh, take their activism uh, overseas and continue with their activities there. Okay, uh, if you had to compare what's happening in Hong Kong to one of these other AE station societies, which one would you say we have the closest parallels with at the moment? I think uh, it would probably be uh, in the uh, more economically uh, developed uh, economies, and that ranges, uh, if you look at the Flying Leaf uh, economic model, uh, that probably ranges between uh, Japan and the four tiger economies. 
all of which uh, have indigenized uh, features, all of which uh, have some form of uh, uh, hybridization, although uh, to different extents. Uh, Japan and South Korea would probably uh, qualify uh, for the uh, 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 systems that veer most uh, closely to the, to the West. And so they have uh, opted for uh, harmonious coexistence uh, between the two with a very high level of professionalism and uh, transparency. But there are also others uh, who uh, have uh, laid out the goalposts uh, of what uh, can be uh, discussed. Uh, and uh, within this goalpost, uh, the uh, civil society is given a lot of uh, leeway and space uh, to uh, develop their activities, but the goalposts uh, must not be uh, uh, overcome or uh, must not be trespassed. Uh, otherwise, uh, there may be uh, reactions from uh, the authorities in the name of social stability. Uh, but if you look around the region, most of the, of the uh, places, um, haven't they moved from authoritarian towards liberal? And in Hong Kong, uh, by your definition, I guess we'd, we're seeing the opposite uh, kind of movement. Can you think of anywhere that has uh, become uh, less liberal, where civil society has... Uh, if that's a characteristic of uh, a liberal society, uh, has uh, been diminished? Uh, many thanks. Uh, indeed, uh, there are uh, uh, waves of uh, democratization, and uh, we have seen that in uh, South Korea since 1998, uh, sorry, 1988, uh, Seoul Olympics. And uh, for Japan, uh, it has been uh, after uh, 1945, po post-war constitution. Uh, and in the case of uh, uh, societies uh, in uh, Taiwan, for example, uh, they also have uh, ways of uh, democratization sometime starting, uh, some would say starting from the late 70s, others would say, uh, say that uh, it really accelerated in the 1990s. By the same time, we've also seen uh, in the same region uh, the uh, backsliding uh, of uh, democratization. Uh, you have seen uh, military coups, you have also seen uh, military uh, governments uh, that later on uh, held uh, parliamentary elections and managed to uh, stay on as a dominant uh, uh, party uh, as a military party. So uh, within the region, there is a huge uh, diversity of uh, democratization ways and, and also restrictions of democratization so, ways. It, so it, it's really up to uh, sort of a, the, the social contract and the bargaining uh, between the people, the society and the government. And given that uh, there is a very strong role, a traditional role of the government in these societies, uh, it's inevitable that the uh, government uh, would have a very, very strong say uh, in the final shape uh, of uh, the equilibrium between civil society, government, uh, and uh, the uh, general public. I don't want to get too journalistic about this, but w uh, you're saying really the only the <laughs> only comparable uh, kind of uh, event in military coups. What what is happening in Hong Kong is comparable to a, to a military coup. Is that what you're saying? Uh, what I'm saying is that the Hong Kong is in transition. It's not a military coup, but it uh, really resembles uh, East Asian societies in transition throughout uh, contemporary uh, post-war history. Uh, which direction it will take uh, really depends on the uh, will and uh, determination of the people and also the ability in, in the case of uh, Hong Kong... But I think with respect, Dr. Lim, isn't that the point? It, it doesn't depend on the will of the people. Well, uh, the, the, uh, the social contract uh, as well as the bargaining is still going on. Uh, we haven't seen the final shape yet. Uh, it appears that... Uh, there are many uh, sort of uh, uh, pluralistic uh, factors uh, involved, and it really depends on what the shape uh, of the, uh, these pluralistic, uh, uh, you know, uh, the outcome of this uh, bargaining okay. will be. At the same time, uh, uh, just one uh, last point, at the same time, uh, there's also an overseas uh, factor where you have 
uh, activists who have gone overseas and they may carry on their own independent uh, activities there. Thank okay. you. Okay. Uh, okay. Well, on the point of reshaping um, Hong Kong society, let, let's go back to uh, Eugene Chan. I mean, yeah. Beijing's maybe very clear wants to reshape the political landscape in Hong Kong. And just how far will this go in terms of NGOs and unions and think tanks being included? Um, I think what Dr. Lim said is very correct. I think a lot of things are still in the process of developing. And if you see what happened in Hong Kong recently with the Beijing, they, it says the improved electoral system and improving, meaning from they wanted to make things better. I think the most important issue that we had was the last few years, the civil society basically not working. I mean, you see violence, you see terror. There's no freedom of speech, definitely. People get beaten up. Let's not forget that. There, there is, there is, there, I mean, the, the whole Hong Kong is into chaotic state. I think this is actually what happened. And personally, I am very disappointed with a lot of, a lot of uh, so-called politicians um, um, covering up, using democracy as high ground, and then pushing on young people into the street violence and now have to face the consequences of, 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 of criminal charges. I mean, uh, I, I'm sure many of you are painful to see that. And today, hopefully with the national security law after implementation, if you ask all the foreign uh, chamber of commerce, they all said to me, they are now happy that Hong Kong is become stable. They can go back to business. Hong Kong is, is getting back to where it used to be. However, there is reform going on, and as Professor Chen said, people may have different perceptions, and they may do it, they may react differently. So personally, I'm 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 hoping things will do better. Okay, we're going to take a break now for the news at uh, well, nine o'clock. We're just ha ha hold on, hold that, that thought. I think we're saying goodbye for the moment to uh, Dr. Chan. Thanks very much indeed, uh, Eugene Chan, uh, president of the Association of uh, Hong Kong Professionals, past chairman of the RTHK Board of uh, Advisors. Uh, we'll continue the debate, as I say, after nine. Also talking about the problem over consumption vouchers. The weather before we go mainly fine, apart from isolated. I'm sorry, <laughs> before the news, uh, very hot during the day. Temperatures up to about 33 degrees. Uh, sunny intervals and a few showers the next uh, few days, and it's going to be very hot tomorrow as well. There's a very hot weather warning at the moment. 29 Celsius, the latest readings with the relative humidity now of 80%. This month. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Welcome back. Back chat on a Friday morning. We're talking about uh, civil society. Is it under threat uh, from the government uh, in Hong Kong? We've been hearing contrasting views in the first part of the programme um, this morning. Still with us, we have uh, Dr Lim Tai Wei, who's an adjunct senior research fellow at the East Asian Institute at the National University of Singapore, and uh, Joseph Chang, a former professor of politics at City University of Hong Kong. Later, we're going to be talking about problems over the consumption vouchers uh, with uh, old people, uh, primarily uh, concerned about uh, not getting the consumption vouchers. We'll be hearing from a, uh, a Yaochim Mong district councillor later in the programme. Of course, we want to hear from you. Our email is backchat at rthk.hk. Our telephone number is 233-88266, or you can go to our Facebook page. That's Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Alan says, Backchat, the barefaced lie that Carrie respects civil society is infuriating. She has weaponized the concept of national security to attack any group that's not 100% subservient to the CCP. In her statement, she, as always, throws out accusations of advocating 
advocating independence and colluding with foreign forces. The same tactic is used by CY and all completely baseless. Organisations of teachers, students, lawyers have all been attacked. The simple accusation is enough to destroy any group now or force the withdrawal of anyone who is not a CCP stooge. There is no civil society. There is only the CCP and everyone who does not bend the knee is an enemy and will be destroyed. That is from... Uh, Alan, uh, thanks so much indeed uh, for that. Uh, more emails, but on separate topics, I think. Danny? Uh, sorry, the... You're just clicking. Yeah, Joseph Chang, yeah. Do you want to respond to some of the things? Yeah, George, uh, Eugene Chang is no longer with us, but, yeah. I mean, you know, he's left the studio. I don't mean he's dead. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, what did you want to say? to not to improve the electoral system, but to, to perfect the electoral system, it is obvious that there were no discussions. And this, to some extent, demonstrates that there is not much civil society to speak of. In previous uh, political reform exercises, there were very heated discussions and there were a lot of oppo uh, uh, arguments and so on. But in this round, People simply gave up. So Beijing gave the orders. Beijing uh, planned the, the perfection of the system. People kept quiet. People simply accepted. And simply this reflected that people had no hope already. People felt that there was no point to engage in discussion. And in contrast to what our previous speaker has said, the American Chamber of Commerce in recent surveys did indicate that up to 40% of its members, meaning American corporations, had different types of plans of leaving Hong Kong. They certainly felt the deteriorations in the Hong Kong business environment. And this disappointment, this perception of the death of civil society has also prompted a lot of people, a lot of Hong Kong people, to vote with their feet. Statistics have shown that in the recent year, July last year to July this year, up to 1.2% of the Hong Kong population left Hong Kong. And in the recent week when uh, schools began, uh, it was again reported that there was a severe loss of students and teachers. So people have lost hope. People simply feel it's not worthwhile to engage in discussions. Uh, it's either too dangerous, it's either useless, and they are voting with their feet. So where do we go from here, Joe Cheng? Are we, I mean, what's the prognosis over the next couple of years? Um, are we going to see more organisations close down? Are we going to see, as uh, we mentioned earlier, that uh, Dr Lim in an article talked about perhaps the Chinese model of incorporating non-government organisations into party organs? Are, are these sort of things we should expect over the next couple of years? I guess so. I guess so. I, there, there's a concern that the minimum baseline is like the warning given to the uh, uh, Hong Kong Law Society, stick to your professional activities, don't involve in politics, don't engage in, uh, in political activities. And Hong Kong Law Society has picked up the, the message. And students in Hong Kong, again, have picked up the message. They, they don't want any student union any, anymore. And worse still, there is a concern that uh, keeping your mouth shut is no longer adequate. In fact, you have to demonstrate what your loyalty. You have to come out and say you love the party, you love the government, uh, and you support all the government policies. And that, that, that is a great fear. And 
basically, I, I don't think anyone can see uh, or can hope for significant improvement in the coming one or two years, and people are very, very worried. Uh, and civil society was not that bad. Even in the second half of 2019, I remember people were suggesting, people from the pro-democracy camp, people and some enlightened elements of the uh, pro-establishment camp, they all advocated for an independent commission of inquiry. They all suggested uh, the resumption and expansion of a dialogue between the government and various groups concerned. But these views were rejected. These right. views uh, from even from the moderates in the establishment were all right, rejected. So- Okay, some thoughts uh, from uh, listeners then uh, to the debate. TC on Facebook uh, says, this is to Eugene Chan, Uh, Mr Chan is gone, but uh, TC says, you mentioned that some foreign chambers of commerce said to you they're happy to see the NSL. Can you say which chambers of commerce uh, said that? Henry says, don't let those beautiful terms like civic associations deceive you. They are wolves in sheep's clothing. Many innocent-looking civic associations received funding from US entities like NED, and they do subversive activities, serve US interests, Interest involved in Occupy Central 2019-20 riot inculcate the wrong mindset in children and youths. Many youth and adults have their future destroyed, jailed because they fell victim to those NGOs. Using NGOs to destabilise a local government or stroke country is a familiar tactic used by the US. That's uh, from. Uh, Henry, uh, Alan says, uh, your academic guest, and I think Dr. Linus is addressed to you, uh, Alan says, your academic guest is describing a complete fantasy. Quote, social contract, negotiation, none of that is allowed in Hong Kong now, and anyone who even attempts to raise any such issue is prosecuted and threatened and will find their livelihood and career destroyed if they're not simply imprisoned in the pretext of some absurd conspiracy. That's the view of okay. Alan. Dr. Uh, Lim? Yes, Dr. Lim, I, I, our listener was just saying that you're describing a fantasy world. Yes, uh, uh, the, uh, thanks for the uh, reading out the viewer's uh, uh, points. Uh, indeed, uh, what uh, he says uh, very much aligns with the, uh, what I've mentioned about there is a political reality uh, on the ground, and uh, Hong Kong has been a very adaptive society, and the reason why it's very adaptive is Hong Kong people are very adaptive. So uh, there are uh, pluralistic uh, views about what the future will be, but they do have to play within uh, the goalposts uh, that appears to be laid out uh, in the interest of uh, social stability in accordance with uh, what the uh, central government perceives and uh, what appears to be what the Hong Kong government perceives as well. No, However, no, yeah. uh, at the same time, uh, in, in a parallel uh, kind of uh, uh, plane, uh, the uh, Hong Kongers who have gone overseas are also busy organizing their own uh, conceptual uh, Hong Kong, uh, and uh, some have even proposed uh, building an alternative uh, Hong Kong in uh, Ireland, for example. There was a plan uh, to do so, uh, but uh, there are pockets of communities uh, that are distributed throughout the world, including those uh, in uh, very thriving uh, Western uh, liberal democracies that appears that uh, they are networking together. So we may see uh, different versions of Hong Kong, but the, the Hong Kong that is within uh, the special administrative uh, region uh, probably have to uh, uh, follow uh, the goalposts that have been laid out very clearly uh, by the central government. As for the one outside uh, Hong Kong uh, physical boundaries itself, I think they will carry on with uh, their social activism uh, as they had uh, in the past, and probably with uh, greater resources uh, from the new uh, sort of uh, communities and societies that they are now located in.
But Dr. Lim, our listener, is not agreeing with you. He's saying that, <clears throat> that uh, whenever you try and raise these sort of issues now, you can end up, end up in prison and your livelihood and career destroyed. You just referred to a pluralistic society inside Hong Kong. He, he's saying that there's something very different. I think there are uh, procedures uh, as well as uh, there are uh, le uh, regulations and uh, legislations laid down uh, by the central government, which is, uh, appears to be aligned with the uh, Hong Kong government, uh, as to what... Uh, Societies can or can, uh, civil societies can or cannot do. Uh, so uh, uh, within uh, the uh, uh, it has to be considered on a case by case basis as to what uh, those uh, uh, activities are and how. Uh, most importantly, it is interpreted and perceived uh, by uh, the uh, central authorities, the central government authorities, as well as the Hong Kong authorities. So it will be in accordance with uh, the kind of uh, regulatory. Uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, rules that they lay out and also the political system in which they have set up. Uh, at the same time, uh, I'd like to emphasize also that uh, Hong Kongers who have left overseas, conceptually they are uh, free to build uh, what they consider to be a uh, uh, pluralistic, uh, free and open uh, civil society overseas. And they do are networking, uh, they are networking together uh, in the pockets of communities that they have, uh, they have, they have uh, relocated to. So we may see uh, conceptually uh, two, uh, a kind of a symbolic uh, Hong Kong uh, external uh, to the island uh, in the future. Uh, I mean, there's been a, a complete uh, overhaul, a complete rewriting of the election rules, uh, for example, uh, uh, changes that were made without any consultation uh, in, in, in Hong Kong at all. They, they, they came straight from, from Beijing. Would you expect then a similar model to be applied to, to civil society, that we're going to see a complete overhaul of uh, civil society uh, here in Hong Kong? And again, that will be done without any consultation, without any debate, uh, without any consideration of the views of people in Hong Kong? It may be uh, possible, mm -hmm. and it may also be possible that the consultation are with uh, pro-establishment uh, forces mm -hmm. or forces uh, that they, uh, that the central government as well as the uh, local government deems uh, to be uh, conducive uh, to uh, their uh, agendas and vision. It may be possible. Uh, right now, we are not sure. Uh, the, uh, it depends on uh, how the uh, uh, central government uh, formulates uh, what they consider it to be their future for Hong Kong because... This is also in conjunction with the economic vision that they have. And the economic vision that they have is for Hong Kong to become the future uh, premium uh, uh, renminbi uh, Chinese yuan uh, trading center in the world. And also one of the components within the Greater Bay Area uh, project, uh, particularly uh, specializing uh, Hong Kong in financial activities uh, and uh, uh, other components of the GBA, Greater Bay Area, in other activities, for example, uh, Shenzhen to uh, become a, uh, uh, the Silicon Valley of uh, China uh, and uh, uh, the uh, uh, Guangzhou and uh, other manufacturing cities uh, to become the industrial heartlands like uh, uh, Akin to uh, Detroit, etc. So uh, the uh, political reforms and changes uh, are not stand-alone. Uh, they are tied in uh, to a whole uh, configuration and package of uh, plans uh, that the central government has for Hong Kong and probably uh, the, uh, the amount of uh, the, the, the shape and changes of the regulations that we have in the future. Yeah, Joe Chang? You do have a more, I hope you do have a more realistic perception or understanding of the situation. This is not adaptation. This is bowing to tremendous pressure. This is simply avoiding disaster uh, in the reign of white terror. You know what 
our pro-democracy activist friends fear. The police will come knocking at their door around 6 a.m. in the morning. They are then detained, and if they are uh, prosecuted according to the national security law, they normally cannot get bail. This means they will be detained for several months before they will uh, face trial. And normally, even if they win in the first trial, the, uh, the government will appeal. This will mean that uh, there will be another round of court proceedings. And meanwhile, you still will be detained. You will be denied, denied bail. This is the kind of worry that uh, this is the kind of terror and fear that people have to face. And it is therefore very natural for them to keep their mouth shut and, uh, and, and no longer engage in discussions, in talking about the perfection of the electoral laws uh, or the students trying to stand for student union elections and so on. This is a fact of life now. Joseph Cheng, you, 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 can you speak from experience there? You took a decision yourself to leave Hong Kong very early on, right? Did you fear, fear for your safety? Yes, because uh, uh, there, have, there were slandering campaigns against me in 2014, uh, as well as in 2018, 2019, when I was already in retirement. And uh, there, there is certainly that kind of fear among uh, my pro-democracy activist friends, because uh, I have described this kind of scenario uh, under the national security law regime. So do you think you would be in prison if you were now still in Hong Kong? I probably will be, will be detained waiting for prosecution, uh, waiting for the court trial, and uh, I have described the process. You will be denied bail, you will be detained, uh, you will then face the, the court proceedings, the government will appeal, even if I manage to win the first round. And you expect uh, uh, detention and imprisonment for at least a few years. Okay. And, and that is why a lot of people are leaving. Yes. And what other targets do you see that, I mean, we've, we've heard talk about the um, Confederation of Trade Unions maybe may, may have to close down. I mean, what, what, what other organizations might actually be sort of in, in the firing line, as you might put it? The next target probably will be the Hong Kong Confederation of Trade Unions. And uh, some of the uh, leaders of the uh, Hong Kong joint allies in support of the democratic and uh, in support of the patriotic and democratic movements in China, uh, they may like to continue and therefore they are ready to face uh, uh, more pressure from, from the government. Uh, then we, we know that the June 12th uh, foundation is now coming under a lot of pressure too. So the pressures are coming. Now basically there are two types of scenarios. One type of scenario is that all these major pro-democracy organizations may not be able to function. Uh, so this is, accept this, this is already anticipated. The worst kind of scenario is that perhaps the, uh, the uh, activists, uh, one or two thousand of them, will be prosecuted and will be detained uh, under all kinds of uh, uh, accusations. And there will certainly be no opposition and uh, more or less no civil society. 
Well, there'll be still be lots of other smaller organisations, right? Is, is there a scenario in, under which it stops after the Confederation of Trade Unions? That might be, you might say, the last big target in the pro-democracy camp and that smaller organisations can continue to exist? I hope so. And uh, the, the Hong Kong people obviously are making use of every opportunity to demonstrate their political stand, to demonstrate their resentment, their anger, and so on. You see, on the very last day of the publication of Apple Daily, people queued up very early, very early in the morning, uh, uh, 1, 2 a.m. in the morning, to, to get the last edition of the Apple Daily when a uh, retail store, Abu Thai, was harassed by the customs, people queue up to uh, buy a few things, to buy a few items from the uh, retail store just to demonstrate their support uh, for, for the owner and so on. And of course, opinion survey, if allowed to be conducted, still revealed the dissatisfaction of Hong Kong people. So uh, uh, in a way, this is adaptation people still make use of every single opportunity to articulate their position okay. if they can avoid uh, pressures of various kinds. Okay, well, we're out of time, but Joseph Chang, thank you very much indeed for joining us, former professor of politics at City University, and many thanks to Dr. Lim Tai Wei, uh, adjunct senior research fellow at the East Asian Institute at the National University of Singapore. Thank you very much indeed, Dr. Lim, for uh, joining us this morning. Earlier speaking also to uh, Eugene Chan, uh, bringing the time to uh, 22 minutes uh, past nine. We wanted to turn uh, finally to uh, problems experienced by some uh, uh, elderly people uh, in Hong Kong uh, in uh, getting their electronic consumption vouchers put on their octopuses or whatever forms they want some uh, 300 formed a, a long queue uh, outside the uh, secretariat of the consumption voucher uh, office uh, in Mong Kok uh, for a second consecutive day yesterday after receive, failing to receive the first $2,000 uh, instalment uh, Mary in an email so stay back chat so Holden Chow and other DAB legislators are blaming government officials for the failure to assist the elderly with their applications for the consumption vouchers but they are far too busy rectifying their operations and prepping for frequent lectures on national security and one country two systems of course no mention that the root failure in communicating with the public is clearly the campaign conducted by his party and the FTU with the connivance of the DAB puppet Home Affairs to dismantle the district councils because their candidates do not have community support. Under ordinary circumstances, the elderly could go to their local DC offices for assistance and access to a photocopier as failure to provide a copy of ID invalidates the registration. Many DCs would have set up street booths to offer advice and help the elderly complete their forms. Most of the elderly would have successfully registered and the few who failed could have called on their district council for further advice. Not only were regulations read the timeline for elections not followed when the duly elected district councillors were forced to resign en masse, the chief executive said government-appointed committees packed with pro-establishment figures could take a more active role to plug the gaps. So where were these worthies and how could the elderly contact them anyway? This is only the first of many instances when the short-sighted and vindictive focus of the so-called pro-government camp and officials will come home to roost. That is uh, from Mary. Well, we do have a district councillor joining us. Uh, Douglas Jung is uh, Yao Mong uh, district councillor. Um, good morning. Welcome to Back Chat. Yes, hello. As you have been trying to help, um, uh, you, you've been trying to help um, uh, people who've had problems with the consumption voucher scheme, haven't you? I think you said about you've had about 150 people seeking um, help. 
Uh, yes, because uh, um, uh, actually uh, the, the whole democratic uh, uh, the whole democratic party uh, has received um, quite a number of uh, complaints uh, in the past few days, and then uh, uh, except, especially on the first uh, of September, and then so uh, uh, in in uh, those of the uh, district in Hong Kong um, among uh, us, uh, we have received about a um, hundred of and fifty uh, of cases here. Okay, now the, how about the point that our listener made? I mean, the Democratic Party, you, you don't, and in fact, not just the Democratic Party, there are not many district councillors left now. You're still a district councillor. I mean, who, 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 who's helping with these, these complaints when you've got so few district councillors now? So, uh, so um, in some cases, uh, in some uh, districts, uh, we still have some uh, district councillors here, and then so uh, we can still uh, uh, make our help to... Uh, to make, uh, I mean, to do some support to those um, uh, citizens, and also uh, and myself, and uh, also uh, uh, offer some help uh, with uh, some uh, district, uh, some uh, areas around me. Okay. What, what's actually wrong with the system? What went wrong with the system or the application process? Uh, actually, uh, there are because um, you know uh, we have um, among the. Um, complaints and the uh, problems uh, we have received, uh, we have uh, categorized in some items. And then uh, the first of all uh, is uh, so, uh, some citizens um, just um, fill their um, the date of issue of the Hong Kong ID card wrongly. And then, you know, uh, in our common sense, in uh, I mean, in, the, uh, in Hong Kong people, and then they are, uh, always uh, fill their date of birth in the applications, in, I mean, in most of the applications. However, in this time, uh, we found that uh, it required us to uh, fill the date of issue of the Hong Kong ID card. And then, so uh, for, for those elderly, actually, um, they cannot uh, unaware of such a sudden change. That could be a problem. And secondly, uh, we found that um, some of them uh, actually don't have any uh, smartphones or mobile phones. And then they just fill their um, uh, their fixed line uh, number into the um, boxes of the uh, their uh, contact number, and then so that they cannot receive any of their uh, those um, notifications or some uh, other um, messages from the uh, secretariat. How do you think the Secretariat has handled it? I mean, they put on extra staff. They um, they said they're going to stay open on Saturday. Are, are they trying to do their best? Uh, I guess uh, it could relieve a part of the problem. But, you know, uh, we found that there are uh, up to 600,000 of people have such problems. Actually, uh, it is from the government's st statistics. So we found that... Uh, do, do you think we can, uh, um, to digest all those uh, 600,000 of uh, applications, I mean, the wrong applications, within just uh, two weeks? And then e even though they are opening up the, uh, their, their office um, six days a week and then for, and for two weeks? So what do you think they should be doing? Uh, actually, uh, this time uh, we found that uh, most of the... Uh, uh, Victims are those uh, who are elderly, and then so is there is there a case that uh, if the government can try to um, maybe to uh, have a 
transaction to them and then to maybe to uh, uh, give them uh, in cash instead of um, make, uh, in in uh, consumption vouchers and then that could be a problem. Uh, I mean, that I mean that could be a, a point to relieve the problem. And then it was uh, our um, some uh, in uh, uh, we, it, it was our proposal to the government, uh, but they haven't listened to it. And then we have, we found that now uh, we have some uh, problems here. And then, but I guess it could be a, a very tough this time. So maybe uh, we have to uh, extend the. Uh, the dates more and more, uh, at least maybe uh, for three uh, for three weeks or four weeks, such that to uh, entirely digest all the things here. Okay, well, uh, Douglas Young, uh, Mong District Councillor, many thanks for for joining us this morning. Thank you for much indeed, uh, Mr. Jung. Just a couple of uh, emails to uh, finish off. Uh, Jay says, "Re Joseph Chang." Uh, dear Backchat, the whining, moaning and scaremongering of Joseph Cheng on the show this morning is sickening. Those who have broken the law have nothing to fear. Those who have, uh, those who have, uh, those who have not broken the law have nothing to fear. Those who have broken the law need to face the music. Hong Kong is a much safer and stable place now that we have the national security law. Now all we need to do is learn to live with COVID. That comes uh, from Jay. Thank you very much indeed for that. And uh, one more comment. This is from... Uh, Eric, uh, who says, Hi, Backchat, you never talk about Freemasonry on your show. Could be an interesting topic. We all know how powerful Freemasons are in Western power circles. What about in Hong Kong? There is a lodge. We rarely hear about it. Who are the members? Lawyers, mostly, I presume. Your speakers have any insights on the role of Freemasonry in Hong Kong civil society? That's a different that a angle. topic for another show, Hugh? Um, I think Backchat's done many topics over the years. I'm not sure he's ever no, done a show on Freemasonry. Talk, we've never talked about Freemasonry, I must admit. Uh, anyway, leaving you now with the uh, latest weather. Danny, thank you very much indeed for uh, joining us this morning. Uh, mainly fine, apart from isolated showers. It's going to be very hot during the day. Temperature's up to about 33 degrees, and there's a very hot weather warning now. Light winds and the outlook, sunny intervals, and a few showers in the next few days, and it's going to be very hot tomorrow. 29 Celsius at the moment, and the relative humidity is now at 79%. The building Minor Works Regulation has been amended. Owners may now retain certain unauthorized minor amenity features, such as trellises, retractable awnings, and security fences for use once proven safe under the validation scheme of the Minor Works Control System. For more details, browse the Buildings Department website at bd.gov.hk or download the Minor Works mobile application. 9.31, time for the news. China's free astronauts on board the Tiangong space station will answer questions collected from Hong Kong youngsters this afternoon. They will also give a virtual tour of the facility, which is still under construction. A British-born Islamic State group member has pleaded guilty in the United States to charges of conspiring to murder American hostages in Syria. Alexander Cote faces a maximum penalty of life in prison. And two U.S. carmakers have announced more cuts in production because of a global shortage of microchips made worse by the pandemic. General Motors has said more than half of its North American plants will stop making vehicles for the next two weeks. Ford also said it was stripping back production this month. I'll have more news at 10 o'clock.
Stand by for the brew. Uh, sociology prof from the University of Set and Costume Designer, great interpreter of Beethoven. And by also shy, quiet, and retiring doggy council co founder of Rockefeller Records. Hello. This is a really for adults, it's not really for kids. Yeah, well, it's fun, you know. Decide what's happening behind the lift. Good morning. In depth interviews and also observations. Absolutely no way. On your radio and live online, this is The Morning Brew. That it is. Good morning. Welcome to Friday here on The Morning Brew. Let's see now what's going down. 9.40, that's in about eight minutes from now. Danny Hicks will bring you his penultimate report live from Tokyo. 2020 Paralympics ends on Sunday, so we'll meet one more time on Monday to wrap up both events. He's also got a bit of football and some other bits and pieces for you. A bit of brum brum with Tim Huxley, some motorsport after the news at 11 o'clock. Going to end with some class, mostly third, of course, because it's Marshy Movie Time after 12. Join James on Facebook Live with your comments for this week's hits and misses at the Flickers. Let's get it on this little mix and wings. Mama. 